If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn real quick to Philippians chapter 4. You can kind of put your thumb right there. And we're also, I'm, I'm going to try to um, piece together two passages of Scripture. And so uh, Philippians chapter 4, and then we're also going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19 um, as well. And so uh, we've got a couple different passages that we're going to be reading from. And so I'm just going to start with Philippians chapter 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Can you say the Lord is near? Say it one more time. The Lord is near. Yeah, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, may you speak to us this morning. God, I pray that uh, just um, use, use the words that I say to minister and to do its work uh, in our hearts this morning, Father. Again, I, I pray for, maybe there are people here this morning, again, that are facing worry or anxiety or fear. And God, I just pray this morning that, that, that your word will speak to them and that um, you'll, you'll do your thing, Father, in your holy name. Amen. So for the next couple weeks, we're actually going to be talking about anxiety and worry. Um, I will let you know ahead of time that I have a doctorate in uh, psychology, and I am a trained professional counselor. And so I have um, lots of inf- No, I'm just kidding. I don't have any of that stuff. So I'll let you know ahead of time that I am not a trained professional. And there are some people that simply need um, professional help. And so um, my goal isn't to, um, you know, be a trained professional. But my, my goal this morning is to simply give you some biblical truths so that you can have some tools in your tool belt when you are going through maybe some difficult times in your life. Um, typically, there are, are, are three different words in... So, so, so first of all, there, there is a, a word, this word for anxiety in verse... Uh, or anxious in verse 6 is the Greek word uh, marinao. And um, typically, it's, it's, it's translated in, our, in the English with the word worry, anxious, or care. And uh, it, it's really, it's two different words that are stuck together. The first word means to tear or to divide, and the second word means the mind. So marinao, the word anxious there, literally means to tear or to divide the mind. Has anyone ever been anxious before? Have you ever felt like part of your mind is like over here, part of your mind is over here, like you know the promises of Scripture, you know the promises of God, but at, at the same time you're like anxious and you're worried and you're like, ah, like I know for freedom the crisis, I know I'm more than a conqueror, I know that like I know these promises of Scripture, but at the same time like my mind is divided. Anyone here this morning ever face anxiety? Okay, perfect. Uh, for some of you, um, Anxiety might be um, just a, a minor thing, and for others of you, it might be something that is crushing 
Um, it might be something that you fa- face and you see um, every day. It, 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 it's interesting. I did a little bit of research before this message, and I found that anxiety disorder is actually, in the recent years, has become the most common disorder in America. And so when we hear the words, do not be anxious for anything, I kind of wonder if that's even possible. And I feel like, especially in the last couple years, um, anxiety has really increased a lot. It's increased a bunch. You know, coming off the wake of uh, this global pandemic, you have COVID and you have the monkeypox and the whatever else. You have racial divides. You have violence in schools. You have hurricanes. I literally, I literally saw a shark swimming down the street in Florida. You have um, economic woes and inflation and employment issues and, house, and, and issues with the housing market and the stock market, the supermarket and the gas market. Has anyone else been feeling this, the pressures of gas going up and groceries going up? And, you know, I think about young people today and I think about, you know, the things that they struggle with. Should I go to college? Should I take out student loans? Should I get a job? Should I live with my parents for the rest of my life? Man, I just feel like there's a lot of anxiety that's going on right now. And so, again, we're, um, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And so rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I want to talk just a brief, again, Philippians chapter 4, but also we're going to flip over to 1 Kings chapter 19 a little bit. But uh, I'm, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you about an Old Testament prophet who really loved God. He loved God a lot. In fact, he did a lot in the Old Testament. He did a lot of really crazy stuff um, for the Lord, and his name was Elijah. Maybe you've heard of him. He was, uh, again, a great prophet. He was moved by the Spirit. He was moved with power. He was a prophet that called fire down from heaven. Praise the Lord. I wish I could do that. Called fire down from heaven. And uh, he was a prophet that killed 850 false prophets. Anyone else want to go out and kill 850 false? I'm just kidding. He killed 850 false prophets. He slaughtered them. And um, he also um, was a man who uh, the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he, he ran 31 miles. He outran a chariot. And so this guy was just an amazing man of God who was moved by the Spirit. He was moved in power. He was moved in the anointing. Like when his, um, when his protege came up, he's like, hey, I want a double portion of this blessing. Like I see how, how awesome Elijah is. I want a double portion of his blessing. So this guy was the man. He was awesome. And uh, he called fire from heaven, and he, was, he heard from the Lord, and he, 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 he listened to the Lord. He, he called drought upon the land like he was just a, a, an amazing, powerful man of God. And it's interesting because if you read uh, the first part of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, we're not going to read it today, but there was a king named Ahab who had an evil wife named Jezebel. And Jezebel got upset because of what uh, Elijah had done. And so she says, I'm going to kill Elijah. And Elijah, just moments before, was a man who was, again, moving in power and the spirit of the Lord and calling down fire from heaven and killing a bunch of prophets of Baal and doing all the, just moments before was doing all this crazy stuff. And we see that um, his his demeanor suddenly changed. And suddenly, instead of being a confident um, warrior for the Lord, we see that he ran off. And uh, we're, so we're going to look at that real quick in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 3. It says, it says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba, 
I can't say beer in church. Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servants there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. So for, like, isn't it kind of wild? Like, like here's this guy who, who had... Uh, again, at one moment, he's calling down fire from heaven. He's slaughtering prophets. He's uh, summoning rain. He's outrunning a chariot through the power of the Spirit. And the very next moment, we see that he's facing anxiety and that he's literally contemplating death. Um, and um, so we just see this amazing, I don't know, this, this crazy transformation of someone who's powerful and being used. And then the next moment, he is not. And so... You know, I, I kind of, I guess when I read that, first of all, I kind of realize that um, everyone is susceptible to anxiety. Everyone's susceptible to worry. Everyone's susceptible to um, feeling depressed, right? It's not like something that, you know, once you've been in church for so long, once you've said the Ten Commandments so many times, once you've memorized the New Testament, once, like once you've done all these things, like that's just like something that you're never going to face anymore. Like there are going to be moments in your life where you feel the maranao, where you know it's, you, like you, you know God's truth and you know God's goodness and you know God's grace, but at the same time your mind is split and you're worrying about things and you're scared about things, and you're depressed about things, and, 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 and so, I don't know, so I read this, and I'm like, okay, so, yeah, yeah, and, and it, 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 again, it's crazy to me that, again, one moment, he is calling down fire from heaven, and the next moment, he is feeling anxious and contemplating death, and there, I, think there are, I think there are a couple things that he did that perhaps um, led him to this place, and so if you're, na- if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. One of the things that I think that he did that, that kind of took him to this place of having extreme anxiety and depression, one of the things that he did is he ran himself into the ground, literally. You look at the text, he, he literally kind of ran himself into the ground. If you, if, if you look at the end of 1 Kings chapter 18, it says, The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So from Mount Carmel to Jezreel is about 31 miles. So that's impressive that and the, the Spirit of the Lord came on, so you ran 31 miles. But then you see um, again in verse 3, so this is shortly after, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beshirba, uh, I can't say that word, in Judah, he left his servant there. So, so not, only, not only did he run from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, which was 31 miles, but also he ran to Jezreel to Beersheba, which was 100 miles. So if you can imagine running a marathon and then running another marathon and then running another marathon and then running another marathon, like that's, that's kind of what he did. And actually, if, if, you, if you take into account that he first ran, thir- so he, he ran 31 miles and then he ran a marathon, he ran a marathon, he ran a marathon, and he ran a marathon. So really, when you think about it, he actually ran like five marathons in a row. And uh, so, so you, it's like, oh my goodness. So, so this guy is running, and he's 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 literally running himself into the ground. He was worn out, and he was tired, and he was physically, and he was emotionally, and I think he was spiritually weak. Can anyone relate with Elijah this morning, where it's like you've been running, and you've been running, and you've been running. You got your kids, you got work, you got church, you got your friend stuff, you got work again. You have, you're renovating your house, you're trying to train for whatever. You're running, you're running, you're running, you're running. He literally, when you look at what he did, he was literally running himself into the ground. 
about two years ago, almost to the day, um, me and a guy from church decided that we were going to run from church to my house. And um, we thought that'd be a great idea. And um, uh, Randy isn't here anymore, but he was a complete nutcase in a good way. So we're like, let's do it. And so we, uh, we, we, uh, I, I don't think he trained much at all. And I kind of, I, I trained, I, I trained, but I don't think I trained enough. And uh, so we started out here and we kind of ran through, uh, ran out of the neighborhood. We ran through Heritage Park. We ran over to Allen Road and then we ran down Allen. There's a sketchy part on Allen where there's not a sidewalk. So we're running on the, like on Allen Road, like out in the free, not like the street or whatever. And he, he's laughing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, and so we keep on running. And it was interesting because I feel like, like we were doing pretty good. We, we, we got all the way to um, Woodhaven, downtown Woodhaven. I live about 13 miles away. We got all the way down to Woodhaven. Actually, uh, Aaron uh, was there, and she, um, she brought us some drinks. And so we're running, we're drinking, and, yeah, we're fine, we're fine. And, um, man, we got to, like, my, it was about 13 miles. We got to about mile 11, and the wheels started coming off. Um, like, I'm running, he's running. We're both laughing about nothing. I don't even know what we were doing. We're just laughing. We're like, ah, like we're, trying to, we're trying to motivate each other. I'm trying to motivate him. He's trying to motivate me. I'm like, come on, legs work, you know, and I'm running. And, and um, man, we're, we're like, we know we didn't want to stop. And, but, but, man, it was weird how we got to a spot of physical exhaustion where our bodies gave out and our brains were like vegetables. Like we, we didn't even know. What we, I don't even remember that last mile. We were just laughing and tripping over each other. It was insane. And I, I think sometimes in life, life can get that way, man. It can get so busy. It can get so hectic. It can get, like, I think about my life. I don't know how your life is, but I think about my life, and it's like, you know, I got, I got work. I got church. I got the kids. I got renovating the house. I got keeping track of these crazy board members, the crazy staff here at the church. I got all these things that are happening, and there's moments where I'm like, man, there's, sorry, Dean. And there's moments where it's like, it's like I, I'm looking at, at my life, and I'm like, man, I have not had a free evening in weeks, right? And I think that's a breeding ground for anxiety. And I think there are some of you who are here this morning that maybe you've been going. And I feel like we're kind of in the culture of busyness, where busyness is a badge of honor that we place on our chest. But I think some of you are here this morning and you have been running, you've been running, like you, you ran 31 miles, and then you ran a marathon, 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 and now you're running another marathon, and, and like you're at the point of, of your running in your life where you are maybe exhausted, maybe you, um, like, like, like you, you kind of know what you're shooting for, like for me, I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I know I want to make it home, and I know I'm close to the finish line, but my brain is gone, and my legs are gone, and my, the glycogen in my body is gone, and I'm running, but I'm not, like, really going anywhere. Like, I could probably walk past myself. Like, you guys know what I'm talking about? Anxiety. One of the problems, I think, first of all, was that he, he literally ran himself into the ground. The second thing that he did, which I think um, uh, is interesting as well, is, again, if you go back to verse 3 again, it says, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Bathsheba, in Judah, he left his servant there. Can you say he left his servant there? He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness 
and he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. You see something interesting there? Like, not only did he run himself into the ground, quite literally, but also he, um, he isolated himself. He isolated himself. He's like, you know what, I'm, I, I've gone this far, I've run, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I hate to see it, but I, I, think, I hate to say it, but I think that isolation is often a recipe for anxiety. And, and isolation is the place where the enemy wants us to be. Um, separate from others, separate from um, godly counsel, we are often susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. Um, I think in your anxiety, it's often good to talk to other people. It's often good to be around people who can lift you up. But often, and I see this often, 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 I see this often that um, when people are anxious and worried, they isolate themselves. You know, we just can't, again, we're just coming off this, this global pandemic. And you see what everyone was doing was isolating themselves. And you think, oh, you know, if, if being by yourself was the solution to anxiety, then, then of course, um, through this pandemic, everyone we would see, so everyone by the, everyone's by themselves, so anxiety would go down. But no, they've seen that as people have isolated themselves, anxiety has gone up. And so, the, again, the first thing he did was he literally ran himself into the ground. The second thing that he did was that he isolated himself. The third thing that he did was he, he focused on the negative, Anyone else here ever focus on the negative? No one? Praise the Lord. He focused on the negative. You know? Lord, I've, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. There's no one. I'm no better than my ancestors. My life is hard. I can't stand in this place. I can't stand this place. Um, I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to be hurt. I can never measure up. Negativity is the lens by which we often see the world. And negativity obscures our vision. I mean, think about it. He, 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 I'm no better than my ancestors. I, 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 I just don't even. But think about what Elijah literally had just done. He called down fire from heaven. He'd killed 850 prophets of Baal. He'd outrun a chariot for 31 miles. And that's not even beginning. Like, if you read his entire story from 1 Kings chapter 17 through 2 Kings chapter, I think it's chapter 2, if you read his whole story, his entire life was marked with miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And I guess I want to encourage you here this morning as well. Like, like, like I think sometimes when, when, we, get into, when we get into a difficult uh, position, it's because we've run ourselves ragged. It's because we've isolated ourselves, and it's because we've focused on the negative. It, it's, it's, it's weird, because when you keep on reading, you see that, you see what Elijah did. It says that he, he napped, he ate, and he drank. Some interesting wisdom. He napped, he ate, and he drank. Sometimes I think a, a, a recipe for anxiety is resting, eating, and drinking. 
If you take a, take, 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 a, take a closer look, it says that the Lord spoke to him. He napped, he ate, he drank. He, it says that uh, he, 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 he traveled from where he was to the mountain. And it says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass you by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was there, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Can you say the Lord is near? Can you say it like you mean it? The Lord is near. near. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I guess... Man, when, when, when I look at this passage, did the Lord ever leave Elijah? Did the Lord ever forsake Elijah? Did the Lord ever forget about Elijah? Did the Lord ever send Elijah home and tell him, you know what, come back and see me in a week? Did the Lord ever depart from Elijah? No. When you look at the passage of Scripture, from the very beginning to the very end, we can see that the Lord was near him. In Scripture, it's interesting because it says in Psalms chapter 34, it says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves up the crushed in spirit. You know, one of the things that I love about um, Christianity and things that I love about being a Christian is that, you know, we don't, like, like God isn't sitting on an, like on an island somewhere. He isn't sitting on a uh, mountain somewhere. He's not sitting on a cloud somewhere with a lightning bolt in his hand. You know, it, it says that when Jesus came, it said he will be called Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us, right? So like, even when we're going through our worry, even when we're going through our doubt, even when we're going through our anxiety, even when we're going through our difficult times, even when our kids aren't behaving, even when our spouse isn't behaving, even when the doctor might have a bad report for us, even when the weather might be bad, even when uh, the lions might lose, right? Even when, uh, like whatever it might be, we can, we can bask in the truth that the Lord is near. Right? The Lord is near, which is awesome. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes we, we, we look and we say, okay, so I have to look and, um, you know, if the Lord is near, that must mean that there's going to be some fire. That must mean that there's going to be some, um, uh, that must mean that there's going to be some prophets getting slaughtered. That must mean that um, there's going to be, I don't know, some, some, some amazing things that the Spirit comes on me and I'm going to run like a madman from here to my house and, you know, whatever. That must, must mean this. But, but you can see in Scripture that the Lord is near. And sometimes it's just a whisper. You might be here this morning. You might be saying, you know what? I just don't feel like the Lord is near. And I want to encourage you this morning that the Lord is near. And that in Scripture it says that, that if we draw close to him, he draws close to us. And Scripture says that, behold, he stands at the door and he knocks. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. He's not on a mountain somewhere. He's not on a cloud somewhere. He's not some distant belief or some distant thought. But God with us, the Lord is near. He was with Elijah on the mountaintop uh, while the fire was coming down. And he was with Elijah in the whisper, in the small moment, in the gentle whisper. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. If you're feeling like you're run out, if you're feeling like you've kind of been isolating yourself, if you feel like you've been focusing on the negative, I want to encourage you 
this morning a biblical principle, a biblical truth that the Lord is near. But not only that, the Lord is near, but I'm looking at this passage of Scripture just a little bit closer in Philippians. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Like, it almost sounds like he's saying to get your praise on, doesn't it? Like, it's almost like he's like, you need to get your praise on. You, you really need to get your praise on. Because let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Right? Now, now you think, okay, so Paul probably wrote this while he was sitting on a yacht somewhere, drinking a margarita and, you know, taking pictures of the sunset as he was, you know, looking at the, the whales in the, I don't know, whatever. He's probably, you know, but, but, but it's interesting because he actually wrote this while he was in prison. And the people, the people maybe in Philippi were like, you know what, you know what, maybe, it's easy for you to write these things, Paul. So easy for you to write these things, but you know what? You haven't really had to, you know, maybe you're just writing these, these things, but you, maybe you're not actually living these things. Have you ever, have you ever had gotten an encouragement? Like, yeah, sure, 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 street cred, whatever, get out of here. But it's interesting because when you, when you look at what happened with Paul in Philippi, it says that he went there and he ministered. A lady named Lydia was saved. After Lydia was saved... There was a slave girl who had a spirit by which she could predict the future. He cast the spirit out of the slave girl. And it says that once he cast the spirit out of the slave girl, the people in the city got upset. We were talking about this on, at our Wednesday night Bible study. The people of the city got upset. And so they grabbed Paul and Silas. They beat them. They flogged them. In fact, in Scripture it says that they severely beat them with rods, like long sticks. They severely beat them. They flogged them. And then they threw them in prison. Threw them in prison. So if you can imagine, you're kind of living life for God, things, yeah, people are getting saved, and then this happens. But you know what's crazy? It says that at midnight in the jail, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It says at midnight, in the jail, they were singing hymns and praising the Lord at midnight. Listen, if, if, if you're going through anxiety, if you're going through a difficult time in your life, the recipe for anxiety is prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Again, I'm just giving you biblical principles, prayer and praise. Prayer is a crazy thing because prayer is something that, oh man, it, 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 I mean, it's, it's something that hones us into God's voice. You know, a lot of times there's loudness around us. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of things that are happening. But prayer really hones us into God's voice. In a world filled with noise, in a world filled with chaos, in a world filled with, hey, we got a pandemic and we have all these things happening and you turn on the news and sharks are swimming down the street. In a world filled with chaos, prayer gets us focused on the Lord. Prayer gets us focused on the Lord. And sometimes we might have to turn off our phones, we might have to turn off the TV, we might have to turn off the computer, and instead of being plugged into what the enemy has for us, we might have to plug into what the Lord has for us. Prayer gets us honed in on his voice. 
God's voice is the only voice that we need. God's voice brings healing. God's voice brings comfort. God's voice brings wisdom and understanding. God's voice brings life. And I think when, when we have anxiety, anxiety is the symbol, is the signal that it's time to pray. Prayer. When we're anxious, man, what are we doing? Are we, are we anxious because we're putting things in our hearts? Are we anxious because we're focusing on the wrong things? Are we anxious because we're worn out? Are we anxious because we have isolated ourselves? Like what? Like Prayer aligns us with God. And praise, it, praise is interesting because, again, finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is, uh, prayer, uh, prayer is interesting. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. I, I, don't, I don't even know quite how to explain it, but, but, um, like when I'm going through a difficult time, even if I don't feel like it, when I'm praising the Lord, I feel like there's a change in my inner man. You guys with me? Does that make any sense? I don't even know if that makes any sense. Um, and actually, the worship team could come back up. You, can we do shout to the Lord again? But it's interesting how, how, how praise... Even when we don't feel like it, it has a way of, of lifting our inner man. And praise, um, I don't know, it, 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 I feel like the, the best worship songs are written in moments of distress. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I'm free. The song, uh, Shout to the Lord, was written uh, all the way back in 1993 by Hillsong Music, uh, written by Darlene Check. Word is that she actually used um, parts of Psalms chapter 47 and parts of Psalms 92. And um, when you read the song, when, when you read the lyrics to the song, you'd think, oh, you know, she was probably, you know, speaking of God, she was probably going, it's probably a great moment in her life. It's probably a moment where she was, you know, on cloud nine. She was sitting on a yacht somewhere, watching the sunset, you know, whatever. You think probably she's a great time in her life. But she's actually done a couple interviews talking about uh, when she originally penned the song. And she actually said it was a time in her life where she was struggling with her finances. It was a time in her life where she was stressed. It was a time in her life where she was trying to raise her young family. It was a time in her life where she had anxiety and she had worry. So, so may, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've been isolating yourself. Maybe you've been running yourself ragged. Maybe you've been focusing on the negative. I want to encourage you this morning to, um, to remember that the Lord is near. He's near the brokenhearted. He's, he's near the crushed in spirit. But also to remember that your remedy for anxiety biblically is prayer and praise. I'm actually going to call the, my deacons up. And if you're here this morning and say, you know what, man, I have been in a season 
of anxiety. I've been in a season of worry. I've been in a season of doubt. I've been in a season of being worn out. I've been in a season of being isolated. I've been in a season of, man, just focusing on the negative. The remedy, biblically, is prayer. Come up and pray with someone. It's praise. And so I want to give you the opportunity this, this morning. If, Man, I just, I just need someone to pray with me. I need someone to intercede with me. I need someone to just put their hands around me and bless me in the name of the Lord. I need someone to uh, come together with me and, 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 and just encourage me. I want to encourage you. These, these are godly men and women up here who um, would love to pray for you and would love to um, intercede for you and believe that, um, that God's going to pull you out of it. And so I'm just going to pray, and then if you want to come forward, I'd love, I'd love to invite you. God, we thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that you are near us. You're near the brokenhearted. You're near, you're near, you're near the crushed in spirit. God, we know that um, even when we're going through anxiety and worry and doubt and maranao, God, we know that, that you love us and that you care, us, care for us and that you have our best interest in mind. Today, Father, as we sing this song, Shout to the Lord, one more time, written by a woman who was uh, in a season of anxiety. God, I just pray that um, those who are here this morning, if they need to be prayed for, that they will uh, set aside the walls that have been put up, that they'll set aside the distractions, and that they'll just come up and find healing. In your holy name, amen.